Welcome to the Buzzed in Baltimore podcast. I'm your host, Jess Mayhew. I cover nightlife and spirits for Baltimore Magazine, and this podcast is an extension of that coverage. We talk about bars, drinks, and the people that bring them to you. This one is extra special because I got to record a live episode as a part of the Baltimore Podcast Festival at Single Carrot Theater, and it was just so fun to be in front of a live audience and have everyone interact and drinking along with us, um, and it was just it was just such such a fun time. So thank you again to Trip and all of his volunteers for putting on the festival. Uh, one technical difficulty we had is that the episode didn't get recorded until about a minute in, and so all you guys really missed were will be the intros, so I just wanted to go over that now. Um, this podcast in particular is going to focus on Amaro, which is an Italian bitter liqueur, and I had two awesome local bartenders on who really know their stuff, um, Amy Ward, who helps manage the bar at uh, our bar inside of our house in Remington, and Kristen Starks, who's the beverage director at Cosima on Falls Road. They are both great, and if you want to follow them, Amy is at Bitters Queen on Instagram, and Kristen Starks is at Easy Peasy, all spelled out. Um, and also, you can just go visit them at our bar in Cosima. As always, you can follow along with me at Buzzed in Beemore on Instagram and Buzzed in Baltimore on Twitter and Facebook. Thank you to everyone who came out live and everyone who's listening now. I really appreciate it. I found my way into loving Amaro because I was one of the first bars in Baltimore to have Fernet on tap. Woo! Uh, and Fernet, which is known as the bartender's handshake, was one of the reasons why the why there's an Amaro resurgence right now. So I started with the really invasive Amaro bitters that I really loved, um, and then found passion and love and all the uh, more finite, delicate flavors that came from a bunch of different ones. So uh, my hashtag or my handle on Twitter or Twitter Instagram, yeah, that that's, thing, that's that a thing better I do. One. It's that a one is uh, Bitters Queen because I do love my bitters. Um, and my basic approach to bitters is to sneak them into people, people's drinks right now. So sneak them into classics so they are less scary uh, and then kind of bridge the gap from there and bring them on to tasting things individually. Like so. feeding like vegetables to kids. Yeah. Just like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hide it in there. Yeah. Under some marshmallow fluffers. <laughs> Kristen, what about you? Um, I actually got my start bartending about uh, 10 years ago. Uh, I was working. Um, at Donna's and Cross Keys, and I was a barista, and I was really interested in learning how to uh, bartend, and they wanted to know more about coffee, and I had, at that point, been doing coffee for quite some time, so it was kind of a mutual exchange of information, and um, I learned bartending there. And um, I worked there for a long time, and then when Cosmo opened up, they, they asked me to come on as their beverage director, so um, we've been open since last February, and things have been amazing. Uh, the main concept behind the bar program um, is to have wines that are exclusively from southern Italy um, to match the cuisine that we serve. And Amaro, along with that, uh, we use in all of our cocktails. So that's kind of how that fell into my lap. And when people come up to you and they're like, I've never tried Amaro before, mm-hmm. what is it? Like, what do you tell them? How do you introduce that, the spirit to them? Um, I usually say that it's a bitter herbal uh, Italian liqueur. Um, though there are Amaro that come from outside of Italy, um, it's, it's entrenched in the traditions of, uh, of Italy, though. And um, I'll just say that, you know, it comes in a range of um, really sweet to really bitter and everywhere in between, and, but they all have some degree of herbaceousness to them. What about you, Amy? I know you've been championing Amaro for a, a long time <laughs> as well. Yeah. The most delicious thing in the world, <laughs> you don't have it. Not to be uh, hyperbolic, but yeah. yeah. 
Um, so when people ask about it, I generally start the same way, saying that Amaro means uh, bitters in Italian. Um, and it's a traditional digestif kind of process to, to the part of the meal where after a very long meal, people would have these Amari um, in a way to kind of trigger to the stomach that it was time to digest. Um, bitters work with the brain to stimulate the gastric juices to flow. So that's what helps with the digestion process. So I give them little bits of like, well, it's good for you. These are really good things to have. You should totally have it. Um, and then, again, tell them we can, we can either go with something like a Montenegro where it tastes like bubble gum, and I don't know why, because there's no bubble gum in it. Or you can have something like Fernet, which tastes like getting punched in the face with a Listerine bottle, which is also really awesome if you like that too. Uh, and generally, because I am an animated human being, they, will, they are willing to try it at least once, uh, and then I hook them from there. And that's what's cool about Amaro, because it can taste like so many different things, oh, right? Sure. It's not just pine or so, like something really mm -hmm. specific that other liqueurs have. Do you guys want to, so we each have something I think maybe different in our glasses, but do you want to talk about like one specific Amaro just to start and like a little bit of tasting notes and, and go from there? Sure. You sure. Which, yeah. which one do you want to uh, start with? I brought a little surprise for everybody today. So this, this one that we're drinking is the first um, iteration that will hopefully be coming out. Hopefully it'll be this particular version of it. Uh, but this is from Baltimore Whiskey Company. This is their Baltimore. Right up the street. Um, and this is not on the market yet. So nope. This is really, really exciting. Nope, um, but very soon. Um, so this is this one's going to be called uh, Szechuan, I believe, uh, with Szechuan peppercorn being the overarching kind of ingredient or flavor that comes out of it. Uh, but I got the full list from Eli as to what's in it. And it's uh, orris root, angelica root, galangal, lemon peel, bitter orange, sweet orange, mace, myrrh, elderberries, and coriander. Definitely taste the myrrh. Uh, it is just... It's really, really I, I was trying to like be like, yes, absolutely put this one out first because Szechuan's uh, not really anything you're seeing in a lot of uh, Amari out right now, whether traditional what or contemporary. What is that for people that don't know? Peppercorn. Just a different, okay, yeah, mm -hmm. version of peppercorn, yep. got it. And it's, it's super savory, um, and the way that they've played up with the fla uh, flavors that are in there are just something really unique that I can't wait to, so I got this guy to play around with and start trying to make some drinks with. Uh, just to see what we can do with it, but I think it's really cool. So um, what, what do you think like this would be good with in cocktails, like if you had to mix it with something in particular? Well, I mean, right off the bat, I'm going, I, I kind of want to serve it by itself, but I mean, yeah. just as an introductory thing, I think this is the first thing to kick out Aperol as the proper spritz. Mm. Uh, just Holy shit, that, that would be so good. That, yeah. that and some bubbles, because it really is just so pretty by itself. There's mm -hmm. no real reason to screw around to with it. with the, yeah. Um, but because it's got that savory bit from the Szechuan, the, from the peppercorns, and then the bitter and sweet orange, I think it could go go really well in an old-fashioned variation. Mm. Um, so that's What do you my, think about a Negroni? Negroni for sure, too. Um, I love a more orangey Negroni mm -hmm. all the time. It's really so. citrusy, yeah. yeah. And there was like a lot of talk about sherry being like the new it thing, and I, I feel like it took off in DC. Um, in particular, but in Baltimore, it seems like Amaro has sort of been this thing, and I just wanted to like know what you guys thought about Amaro in particular that made it more popular in Baltimore, and why it may be more approachable than like something like a sherry or another kind of liqueur or liquor. Hmm. Um, I'm not really sure. Um, well, I mean, I think that it started um, with you know having Fernet on tap and people starting to sort of um, discover uh, um, Amaro. And, um, and, and because of the way that Baltimore is developing um, from uh, uh, the perspective of like um, the, our, bar t our bar scene, 
and um, the ingredients that people are using in their cocktails, I think that um, the, the audience, so to speak, or our guests are, are a lot more, um, oh, what's the word, adventurous, you know, these yeah. days, um, because uh, there's just so much out there and there's so many creative things happening. I think it was a perfect opportunity for Amaro to kind of sneak on the scene because it's not something that I'm, I, I wouldn't imagine 10 years ago people would be like kind of- Super stoked about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, this is like the perfect time for it. And, um, and it's so versatile and there's so many ways that you can use it and there's so many types of Amaro out there. It's just, it's like taken, I think it's taken the city by storm in that way. Have you ever had anyone come in and be like, like have like a misconception about it that you have to sort of flip around? Like what do people sort of think about it that you've kind of had to say like, no, 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 no it's actually this or that? Well, I haven't had a lot of people who knew what it was. I mean, yeah. I think one of the fortunate things is that it's still relatively unknown, and I think um, people don't have any misconceptions or preconceptions about about tomorrow. Yeah. Um, I mean, I have not <laughs> come across a lot You're of people like, who maybe, have been like, not. I mean, have you, has your experience yeah. been different? Yeah, I mean, I, I've got the people that would be like, eh, that, that's the stuff that tastes like dirt, right? I'm like, oh. yes, some of them do. But that's that's also You're like this not guy, in a bad way. This guy tastes like the most beautiful dirt in the entire world. Should this we, is should we pour the dirt guy? We can do that. You yeah. want to talk about the dirt guy? There's like three ingredients in this puppy, and there's it's mm -hmm. unfiltered, so it's like one of the only unfiltered amari that's out there. Right. And it's and it's classic, very old recipe. Mm -hmm. So like yes, there are things that taste like dirt. Oh God yeah. Damn, are they delicious? But there's also the ones that taste like candy, and there's ones that taste like mint, and there's ones that taste like orange, and like there's an array. So you say yeah, absolutely, but that's not it. Like there's so much there's more. There's more to it, yeah. yeah. And the one of the things I like about this Amaro, and it's kind of poetic, is that uh, the botanicals that they use um, to make the Amaro, um, they also, they come from the Sibyllini Mountains um, in Italy, and it's sweetened with honey. So, and the honey that they use is also from uh, the Sibyllini Mountains. So the bees that are pollinating the flowers that are going into, or uh, going into the Amaro, are also the bees that are making the honey. So it's like this harmonious like idea. It's like a beautiful kind of cycle. It. Yeah. That's yeah. so cool. All right, I'm gonna have some. Is anyone's glass empty that I gave a glass to? Does anyone want some more? Come on, come on. Don't be shy. This is a booze podcast. Come on, get up, get up. Can I taste this guy? The other thing and to so note. So what's the name of this one? Did you guys? This is a Maro Sabila. Barista. Made by the Varnelli brothers. The other thing to note about this Amaro is that these are all my friends, by the way. Oh, cool. Thank you. Shout out to my friends for coming tonight. This one? Yeah. So while Kristen's pouring the Diller Barista. Um, You're very welcome. No, nobody will hear us right now, right? Yeah. Um, so. Kristen's pouring this one right now. The really cool thing about the Vernelli product that they have, um, the other one, the Sabella that she was talking about, mm -hmm. um, they roast a lot That's, of their, yeah. their so roots underground. Mm -hmm. uh, and over an, over an open fire, and it yeah, gives it a smoky yeah. sort of flavor. Yeah, so the Sabella tastes more like coffee, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. But this one is just heaven. So this one's also, they, they roast the botanicals for this one as well. Thank you. So All right, cheers that. everyone in the audience that just got one. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Um, so you guys have both been working in the bar scene for what over a decade now in Baltimore, mm -hmm. right? All together. <laughs> so how have you sort of seen the bar scene in Baltimore shift um, for better or for worse, and and what have you sort of seen as a difference um, since you've been since you've been working there, and difference in clientele and and all that kind of stuff? Um, I'd say that we started as and we still are a beer town, 
Uh, and now we've got more really kick-ass breweries coming up that are showing you just how much of an awesome beer town we are. So these are people that, we, we just appreciated beer on a larger scale, I think, than spirits. Um, and it took for places like Ixia and Bad Decisions and Rye, OG Rye, to like come in and, and kind of tell the story that, that cocktails were actually a really cool thing to have and spirits mm -hmm. were there and we could do really neat things. So now I see like coexistence of spirit drinkers and, and beer drinkers mm -hmm. and now we've got, I mean, you're not got, just like one or the other anymore. Yeah, 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 we've got distilleries everywhere. And then I think our wine scene is slowly creeping up too. Yeah. I mean, we have three of the, the best damn, we did have four and some, someone moved away, but we had three of the best damn uh, songs <laughs> in the city. Right. And like Chris Coker, Julie Dalton, mm -hmm. Tim. I don't think people uh, realize how much wine talent was here. Oh and yeah. also that there are like, Maryland wine tastes really good now. If you really try to explore it, it I think there was like a stigma there. Um, mm -hmm. It's like a whole separate conversation, but yeah. no, I think it all works together, right? Like yeah. wine, liquor, beer, all, all together for mm -hmm. sure. Absolutely. Um, now that we're on like our second drink, I'm gonna get into like gender politics because like why not? Why not? Um, so obviously, you two work in a uh, boys' club, and it's it's no lie. I mean, it, the service industry, although it's changing for the better in a lot of ways, um, you you work in a place that's like can be misogynistic and can have those tendencies. So so how do you deal with those challenges and stay professional? And you know, I just feel like it's there's three women up here, and I just feel like it's something we have to address. Well, it's an interesting question. I, I think that I've in some ways been lucky in that, you know, for the vast majority of the time that I was bartending, I worked in a place where there was only one bartender at a time and I didn't have to um, compete or, you know, I didn't have issues with, with other people behind the bar. And when I was eventually given the reins of that bar to make my own decisions about what was going on in the menu or not, I kind of had, I could do what I wanted and, and not really have um, to fight um, to, to make it. So I think that, and, and the other part of that is that um, it was a restaurant. So I think that the culture in restaurants and the way that bartenders are treated is slightly different than like, you know, bar bars yeah, where people tend to um, drink more and may not be eating, you know, along with it. The culture um, is different. So I feel like things may have been more difficult, like, for you and in, in, in your situation because of those uh, things. What do you think? Restaurant has a little bit of a classier, maybe. It can be, yeah. Like environment than a bar, which could sort of lead down a, a certain path. Yeah, mm -hmm. it, I mean, it can be it can be the a bar, a restaurant, bar restaurant, whatever. Mm -hmm. But I mean, the the preconceived notions about gender in our industry still mm -hmm. exist oh, very sure. much so. Um, this morning, I had an older gentleman ask my bar back who is a six foot two dude who doesn't know a damn thing about cocktails, <laughs> but hell, he can hustle his ass off. Um, asked him if he could make him a cocktail, and he's like, ah, don't run this place, she does, it's her. And he just like, kind of, not scoffed, but he was just like. Eh. Like taken aback about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like very, very shocked at that. So there's still that kind of stuff, mm -hmm. which is, is really annoying, and I also have to reel it in, because I do sometimes still, I, I, I'll like, it's like, are you just asking him because he's a, He's a guy, not I'm a girl, whatever the hell it is. You're like, like obviously you are. Like, What's your problem? Yeah, Why yeah. wouldn't you think that it's me? So mm -hmm. um, people still think it's very much a boys club, even though women make up a higher population of bartenders in general. Um, you just see, I think you see a smaller amount at craft spaces or mm -hmm. 
a smaller amount get noticed at craft spaces, even though they're there. But mm -hmm. there are women bartenders, women bartenders in restaurants, bars, whatever. Like, mm -hmm. you know, they exist. So women brewers, women distillers, yep. yeah, women vendors, yep, yep. all that stuff. Yeah. 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 No, I yeah. Keep going. Oh, I was just gonna say um, that yeah, I've I've definitely had that happen once or twice. Um, and uh, now that I like I am at Cosma and I have a, a larger staff and. A lot of the time, it, it's, I get a look of surprise when they're when they're like, "Oh, that's my boss," or "This is this is beverage director. You can talk to her about." But this do you guys feel satisfied when you like school people, and then they're like, "Like, there's got to be some good feeling in that when you yeah, say, I sure. run this bar. I know exactly what I'm talking about.' Mm -hmm. Like, that's got to be such a great feeling, right?" Yeah, it is. It's it's satisfying, um, it, but it at the same time, it is slightly frustrating that yeah. it even is necessary to to have that um, dynamic. And I mean, for me personally, I, I think that my race also uh, tends to come into play just because it's, it's pretty much a white dominated um, industry as well. And uh, one of the things that, uh, that happened often when I was working at Donna's was that I would, I would work, I would, I would answer the phone and I would take a phone order from them. And when the customer would come in, they would look past me like for, for the, for the, pretty white girl that they talked oh. to on the phone and it's just like nope sorry dude that was me <laughs> oh my god yeah I uh yeah so that that was something that that happened often but um you know when you when you can look at them in the eye and you learn to have a firm handshake and make direct eye contact and you kind of set them straight right out of the gate it's it that well first it makes things easier but it is that it is a satisfying feeling yeah and I I want to give credit to our community, our bartending community, not just in Baltimore, but far and wide. Like, our bartending community is making strides right now to recognize and address issues of sexism, racism, mm -hmm. classism, all, all these different things. Um, and the people within our community are incredibly fucking respectful. So respectful of each other. Um, and like, the, the, to like, like, if anybody paid attention to the shitstorm that happened with Tales of the Cocktail, the creators of Tales of the Cocktail this year, a uh, huge door was open about racism within our industry. Um, and there are people who took it as an absolute call to action and absolutely like start, start, start of a conversation. Oh yeah, start, yeah. A, start a conversation immediately. Um, Lush Life, who is one of the, the groups that puts on education events for us, for bartenders and people within our industry, um, took to traveling across the US, 27 cities, seven different states in like six weeks and they made each stop, each leg of the tour a different focus, whether it was on on racism, gender, health and health and wellness, which is where Huge I came in to be a yeah. nerd about it. Um, and then equal pay, like there was all these different things that came up and they did that like on their own accord, they drove across, they put on $5 classes for everybody to come out, they donated everything to CORE at the end, which is Children of Restaurant Employees, but they addressed all of these things. And that's like, they were one of the biggest vehicles to bring attention to our, our neighborhoods. That's and huge, so, that's huge. So that's our, awesome. our community is awesome. We yeah. just need to work on growing the greater out, public. Yep. All right, now that we did that, I feel like we should like pour another Amaro. It's sure. like a little stressful, I'm a little stressed. Um, I'm glad we got through that though. Um, as as we're pouring the next, wait, which one do you want to guys do next? Would, do you have a specific? Some people got Some people got that one. Carcio, uh, yeah, Dom Chicho and Feely. Um, and I want to give you each a chance to talk about like your specific bar programs because they're very different, and I think that's I think that's really cool. Um, one is 
well, our bar is obviously very new. Our house in general is very new. It's right up the street. Um, and Kosama is new too, but it's, it's just a very different vibe. And I think mm -hmm. what you guys are doing are both really interesting. So let's pour this and then maybe each of you. <laughs> Do you want to talk about the Amaro first? Uh, so I, I want to uh, briefly mention the Santa yeah. Gressis that I poured for the side of the room. Um, one of the things I love about it is that it's so clovey and it has that sort of numbing feeling that you get from drinking like a hot toddy with a bunch of cloves in it. Um, this is actually made by uh, Saint Agrestis. They, uh, there was two um, uh, sommeliers that went to Italy um, for, for a bit and they fell in love with Amaro and they came back. Um, this is out of Brooklyn. They came back and, and made their own version of Amaro and it's just like one of the most fantastic. Of like, it's Brooklyn. It's Brooklyn. I mean. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. So um, what's this one that you're pouring? So the one that I'm pouring now, this is, are we pouring for the audience or are we just pouring for us? Let's just pour for us, okay. unless, <laughs> unless you guys got empties. You should drink. Anyone got empties? You should drink that. Yeah, you should drink that first. We don't have to talk, we can. I invited the right people, or maybe the wrong people, I don't know. People hate oh, maybe I'll do my thank the thank yous. While okay, thank you to Richard Gorelick for running front of the house. Woo, Richard! Yay! He's an amazing food writer as well. Um, Marty for recording the shows. Yes. Baltimore Improv Group for hosting us. And you're welcome. Trip for host Trip for hosting this whole thing and coordinating. You're not on the you didn't even put yourself on the thank you list. I know. Thank me, damn it. Here I love. Thank you to Trip, though. Thank you. Um, and thank you to all my friends who are here. Yeah. My coworkers, my family, like everyone here. Amazing. Thank you. Um, so, do you guys want to each talk about? Or do you want? To, let's sip this and talk about it a little bit. Um, yeah. So this is this is uh, uh, an amaro from from France, uh, Bujolet Tina. And uh, it's made from the skins of uh, oh the, the botanicals, um, seven different, seven or eight different types of oranges. So there's a very potent orange flavor um, that coming from the skins in this one. It's like one of my favorites, and it's great in cocktails. This is so like citrusy, so amazing. You don't hear about a lot of like I don't know. At least you associate Amaro with Italy, so mm -hmm. having one from France is really different. Mm -hmm. That's yeah, really cool. Yeah, for sure. They're what would you do? Their than anything yeah. yeah, for sure. And uh, I first tasted this. Um, at W.C. Harlan's a couple years ago, and I just completely fell in love with it. It's so good. So W.C. Harlan was the first place I ever had Amaro mm -hmm. in Baltimore. Actually, ever. What am I talking about? Like, I'm fucking a world traveler. <laughs> no, the first place I've ever had Amaro. Um, and Lane was like, let me pour you a flight. And I was like, what is this magical elixir? And, mm -hmm. and then I found Amy, who was super into it. And then I found, and it just felt like it was this, this sort of special groundswell, thing. special, mm -hmm. special thing. Mm -hmm. um, so talk about each of your bar programs at like where you guys work and how you incorporate Amaro in, and maybe like sneak it in a little bit and sort of sure. what your objective is at, at both Cosima and at our bar. Okay. You want to go? Sure. Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, so our bar is a gigantic monster bar <laughs> inside of our house. Who's been to our house? <laughs> 360 degree bar, gotta keep your head on a swivel at all times. It's kind of ridiculous. Um, so we have a very unique situation where we have 11 different food concepts that we can pair things with. Um, so there's no direction and all the, all direction, the direction at the same time. Right. 
Um, so we kind of, between myself and Aaron Joseph, we split the menu down the middle. Um, you know, we're gonna try, for summertime, we're gonna try for a, a more cohesive theme so we can each go into the same, you know, with the same kind of idea with our drinks because you can tell which oh. drinks are mine. Very and you can obvious. Tell which drinks are Aaron's? If it's tropical, it's Aaron's. Yep. If there's banana or and or Amaro, it's Amy's. Yeah, Next sure. time you go to our bar, pigeonhole. Totally. Very obvious. Yeah. So you want to do more cohesive? Yeah, yeah. So okay. I figure if like we can just pick a theme, even if it's like raining in the summertime, then we can think of like <laughs> names, smells, visions, things like that to be a little bit more concrete. Because when you have so many different food stalls that you could pair things with, it gets a little, like it boggles my mind. Like I You could go from, so many different like ethnic foods, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. At Agio, I was able to do absolutely whatever the hell I wanted within the Italian range. And because I love tomorrow, it worked perfectly. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so you'll still see me, see me kind of plugging that in here and there. Um, this time we try to take a little bit more worldly approach, trying to make sure that we hit our sochus and we hit like some Mediterranean spirits just because we, we kind of ignored um, the, the Asian stalls and we ignored the Med Mediterranean stalls last time. So thought I was doing a better job with that, but it still felt like very discombobulated. Um, so we're trying to put two brains together to satisfy 11 different stalls while getting our personalities out, but giving the people what they want. That's a lot of that. things lot. to think about. It's a once. lot. It's, yeah. it's definitely a, my brain hurts a little bit. Yeah. Um, but we are, we definitely listen to all of our feedback. We make sure that we have an $8 cocktail at all times, and then we can play up from there. We have some keg cocktails. Uh, we have a non-alcoholic cocktail on draft that we can make alcoholic. So those are kind of some fun things that we do. And then we have an exclusive partnership with Union because we love our local people. Um, and we try to have as many of their beers on as possible. They are rad. And we've got a cocktail on right now that also like made a beer syrup using Rye Baby and, nice. and did things with that. So trying to play with as many things as possible. So it's a chaos in a square bar. And I think your menu, like the printed menu reflects like in a good way, if you've never seen their printed menu, it's this flowchart of like what you should figure out how to drink. Yeah. And it, but it shows you the div the diversity and yeah. like what you could possibly do, just sitting down in a stool at our bar one night. Um. So no, you guys, yeah. hats off to you. You're doing an amazing job. Just turn it over and read the choose your intervention before you do <laughs> Or just like <laughs> ask them or talk to them. Yeah. 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 yeah exactly. Um, Kristen works at Cosima. Who's been to Cosima? Yeah. It's an amazing Italian restaurant um, right next to the Jones Falls. So not a lot of people know, but you can go outside and be like waterfront, <laughs> if you want to call it that. Basically, which, yeah. But it is really, really cool. Um, and so I know you try to reflect like a lot of the Italian cuisine on your drink menu. Yeah, and, for sure. Yeah. So I, I have the exact opposite uh, <laughs> situation. Our, this our, is why I love you guys. Okay. This is the best. It is so focused, and it's uh, it's focused on this small pocket um, of the world in southern Italy. There's nothing uh, that we offer wine-wise um, that is north of Umbria. So it's all kind of Sicil Sicily, Puglia, um, Campania, uh, Sardinia. There's, there's tons of great um, wines from that region, obviously, but also great food. And it's, it's, it's distinctly different from uh, the northern region in terms of the ingredients that they use. This is much more olive oil um, and fresh citrus and herbs-based uh, cuisine. So um, when I decided to do the Amaro cocktails, I kept that in mind, obviously, but I also um, selected uh, a big group of Amaro, and I tasted them each individually. And the way that I built the cocktails for the restaurant is 
is, uh, is really extracting the flavors that come from those Amaros and pairing with fresh ingredients to build the cocktails. So everything that is Amaro-based, Amaro was the first thought, you know, instead of, you know, the oh, this is around. gonna be an old-fashioned and what Amaro can I sneak into to, to it to make it different? It, right. it really started with the Amaro itself. Um, and it, it turned out that some of the cocktails ended up being more like classic cocktails, like um, a take on an old-fashioned or a Manhattan or a Negroni and so on and so forth. But there are a few that came out of the program that are just their own beast. Like there's nothing that you can really compare them to. But that shows how versatile Amaro is. If you can mm -hmm. plug it into all those classic cocktails, oh, like sure. you can't do that with every liquor, let alone liqueur. Like mm -hmm. that's pretty amazing. And you're being super subtle. Where are you with your sommelier training? I know you're like really smart about wine and you're not even <laughs> bragging about it. <laughs> so tell, tell us where you are. Um, well, uh, last, um, last winter I took my intro um, uh, test and passed. Um, <laughs> thank you. So I got my first pin. Yeah, um, yeah I, I am in a tasting group with Julie Dalton and, uh, and Chris Polk is in there and Tim Riley and uh, Jamie from uh, Maryland Club. So that has been an amazing experience, um, learning how to taste wine, learning how to distinguish between you know, the palate and the smell and the sight and, and what all those things mean and really being able to taste a region or a, a corner of the world and really kind of. I mean, it's all about geography, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And old world versus new world and whether it's mineral driven or whether it's you know, gonna be uh, inorganic earth or whether it's gonna be the fruit that drives the wine. Um, that has all been really an amazing experience. And uh, I hope by the end of this year, I'll take certified and uh, hopefully I'll pass that as well. All right, well, I'll be rooting for you. Crossing our thank fingers. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I, I um, I'm going to actually work at a winery at the end of the summer. I'm going to Italy and I'm going to oh. um, to work for uh, Manir Salento, which is a distillery, or a distillery, sorry, a winery out of, um, out of Puglia, so. Oh my God, when does that start? Uh, I'm leaving July 24th. Holy shit, that's amazing. Yeah, that's I'm really so much excited. Fun. Yeah, thank you. And Instagram, everything. Oh, for sure. I'll be there yeah. for seven weeks. Yes. So oh, wow. It's going to be a long amazing. trip. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's pour one more, um, one more Amaro. Mm -hmm. Anyone who has an empty glass? All right, okay, so, so Amy is going to talk oh about God, Zucca. So this is Zucca. This is Rabobar Zucca. This is based out of Milan. Um, this is an older, not older, but this is the last version of the uh, recipe that we had. This is the zuka that went away, and if anybody heard me freak out, John did, because I, I was freaking out about yeah. where to find these final bottles, and you guided me as to where to go, and I did find it at the place you told me to go to. Uh, yeah. This is this is old. There's, they don't make this anymore, so I'm sharing with you one of my eight bottles that Thank I bought you. left. Thank you, Amy. Uh, it's so Woo! good. You have to have it. It's awesome. You can pour this over ice cream. You can drink it by itself. You can mix it with ting and mix Jamaica and oh, it's Italy so together. Good. It's awesome. Oh uh, but Chinese rhubarb base, lots of other herbs that they won't mention or reveal because it, Italians are very secretive. Um, but if you if you smell it, it's just it's grapefruit, grapefruit and rhubarb and really just big notes of citrus and, and vegetal notes on, on the nose. And then when you taste it, it's just as wonderful. <laughs> I mean, just the on the nose alone, I'd be like, I would drink this for okay. the rest of my life. Yeah, it's it's, it's so damn so good. good. And there is nothing wrong with the new. So I got freaked out because I thought they weren't making zuka anymore, which is why I went into this panic. And it turns out what they were doing was re, like going back to this older 1950s uh, recipe that they had. So they it proved higher, 
and it's just a little bit heavier on the rhubarb for the for the taste of that. But that's it's not dead. It's, it's awesome. such a good flavor profile. Yeah. So um, we've got five minutes left, but I wanted each of you to talk about just your favorite thing about bartending in Baltimore. I mean, it can be just whatever the fuck you want. Obviously, mm -hmm. we're huge fans of the city. Mm -hmm. um, we wouldn't be here without it. Like, so just tell me what your favorite thing um, about being in the city and, and, and talking to people every day. And I know it's like super vague, but I feel like you guys will. Well, I think my favorite thing about what I do is, is the educational part of it, is, is broadening people's horizons, getting people to try something new and seeing the look on their faces when they're like, damn, I really like this, Yeah. you know? And it, it's, it's so satisfying and it happens to me every day and it's why I do what I do. You know, just sharing the things that I'm really passionate about and I love and I talk about them excitedly, you know? I'm like, this has, you know, like I get really like animated when it's something I'm passionate about, but to be able to share that energy and to, to receive it back um, on a daily basis is just like the greatest gift. And you, you have a, like more older customers probably mm -hmm. than Amy does. That's gotta be maybe even more gratifying <laughs> to change the For minds sure. of people who have had their minds changed forever. You know what I mean? Like that's Absolutely. gotta be yeah. even more exciting. Yeah. It is, definitely. Um, and that, that extends beyond um, Amaro. It extends into the wine program. Like, you know, I was saying how everything is Southern Italian. People come in, they're looking for Chardonnay, they're looking for Pinot Grigio and Sauvignon Blanc, and we don't have any of that. Right. So, you know. <laughs> Being talking them down off a ledge, <laughs> like, being like, "Well, I'm gonna leave. Whoa, you don't whoa, have Chardonnay," whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> like, you know. But actually putting something in their hands, they're like, "Well, I, I had no idea, but this is absolutely amazing." Yeah, yeah. That's gotta be the best it's, feeling. It's great. And you? Yeah, I mean, I still love education, but I'm not gonna. So to piggyback on that, I think what goes along mm -hmm. with the education part is just hospitality. Like my biggest thing is like, these are people in my home. I want to show you my home. Let me show you my toys. I got all these cool toys you can play with and you could, you know, whatever. Um, but just making sure that people are having a good time and generally feel welcome wherever I am. I love bartending. I love talking, obviously. Um, and I'm a loud mouth. I'm constantly losing my voice. But strictly just showing people a good time, making them feel welcome and invited into your home, and being able to share with them, like, some of your greatest gifts. That's just that's amazing. Well, thank you guys so much for thank being you. on my podcast. Aren't Kristen and Amy amazing? Yeah, thank you for coming, all my friends. Um, yeah, thank you, thank you to the Baltimore Podcast Festival and Single Care Theater for hosting. This has been amazing. Thank you guys. Yeah. Thank you guys. Give it up for Buzz in Baltimore.